2: We actually also have a lot to get to today, so I'm not sure if you saw any of You were slammed all day. This is why you were not in the All You Can Eat podcast today. You were slammed, handcuffed to your marketing job, um, so I don't even know how much stuff you've seen, but um, okay, I'll just start in this order. Um, I want to start with Matt Walsh. Matt Walsh has unearthed some stuff about Google, which shows the, the honcho there. This is fantastic.
3: Can we can I briefly fill people? Out? So we did do sure. all this Google AI Go stuff ahead. yesterday, which was fantastic. Um, they have since kind of they've like fixed it a little bit, so it's not so blatantly obvious. Like you do sometimes get white people now on some of the prompts, even though it still like lectures
2: you about it. Right, but so <laughs> so for the, for instance, this morning. <laughs> I,
3: and the guy I in had, charge of the project tweeted out that they were fixing it in response to all the great feedback they were getting, right. so, wh- so, which means they became a laughing stock And his right. so Twitter what, account is now private.
2: So what you saw is essentially in, in, that the guy whose Twitter account is private, the Google AI guy, he's mm-hmm. he was tweeting in 2021, like, oh, I can't believe this is happening. I'm crying in 2020, uh, whatever. He's a, he's a very emotional. Some people may say beta or soy boy. Whatever, it's fine. They're all over Google. Remember how they all had that, like, town hall after Trump won? mm mm-hmm. um, And they all cried. But here's the thing. Um, so today, you know, basically you asked for all the kings of England, and you got all different versions of the king of England, all of them whom were not white. Right. That's the kind of result. And people were having fun with it. You did a great one. Which We're going to get that on a T-shirt.
3: The Indian with the telescope? Yes, we're
2: getting that on a burn the barrel T-shirt. 19th century
3: scientist? Yes,
2: yes. That's okay. inspired by... One of you guys had tweeted that. So Justin said that, yes. He did. Yeah, well we'll, we'll do that. That's fantastic. So um, so so that happened, and I actually I saw today during commercial break that Joe from Simsbury, who's a listener of WTIC, it's mm-hmm. a good caller, saw that he was on the line, so I thought I just wanted to throw it in there to Gemini AI, whatever, Google AI. Um, people are show me an image of people from Simsbury. And what it showed me is it said Simsbury has a very diverse population. And then it showed me just an image of a pie chart of all the ethnicities in Simsbury, which still is not an image of people from Simsbury. Right. Okay. But it's still not, it's still a very um, cultivated response. Response, exactly. <laughs> so we're still not fixed. There's no doubt about that. But the reason we're not fixed, and I gotta give Matt Walsh this credit because he he unearthed this stuff. This is the founder of Google's AI Responsibility Initiative. Her name is Jen Gennai, speaking in a keynote address in 2021. She openly suggests that she treats black, Hispanic, and Latinx employees differently than white employees.
1: A corporate study found that talented white employees enter a fast track on the corporate ladder, arriving in middle management well before their peers, while talented black Hispanic, or Latinx professionals broke through much later. Effective mentorship and sponsorship were critical for retention and executive level development of black, Hispanic, and Latinx employees. So this leads me into sharing an inclusion failure of mine, one of many, but just one that I'll share so far.
2: Get ready because there's a fully automatic machine gun full of progressive terms coming at you.
1: I messed up with inclusion almost right away when I first became a manager. I made some stupid assumptions about the fact that I built a diverse team that then they'd simply feel welcome and will feel supported. I treated every member of my team the same and expected that that would lead to equally good outcomes for everyone.
2: Well, she put the same in quotes, by Mm. the way.
1: That was not true. I got some feedback that a couple of members of my team didn't feel they belonged because there is no one who looked like them in the broader org or our management team. It was a wake up call for me. First, I shouldn't have had to wait to be told what was missing. You could step down. On- <laughs> she could give one of them her job, right?
2: She's doing a struggle um, a struggle session for mm-hmm. everybody else. She's showing everybody that she's going to put the work in. You don't step down. You put the work in.
1: I had to wait to be told what was missing. It was on me to ensure I was building an environment that made people feel they belong. It's a myth that you're not unfair.
2: Um, I'm feeling uncomfortable because I don't see myself represented much in this building. Like, I don't know who deserves to be fired more. The person who says that or the person who listens to that with, with an empathetic ear.
3: Right. I can't imagine the meeting where that would come up in my work.
2: Well, in your work, there's a chance that, like, some of these catchwords mean something. There's a chance. Mm-hmm.
1: But, like, in real-world work, this is insane. It's unfair if you treat everyone the same. There are groups that have been marginalized and excluded because of historic systems and structures that were intentionally designed to favor one group over another. So you need to account for that and mitigate against it.
2: Um, now you're seeing the thinking behind some of the stuff happening here. Right.
3: You can't just let the AI prompt spit out images.
2: No, God, no. There's you historic
1: people, systems at play. you know how
2: many people will be hurt if you do that? Gen. I also says Google's commitment to anti-racism is a key component.
1: We do work together day-to-day to try and advance the technology and understanding around responsible AI. But today, I won't be speaking as much from the Google perspective, but from my own experience. I-
2: now, can you imagine responsible AI? Not accurate AI. Responsible AI. Mm-hmm. We have to make sure everybody feels seen. We have to make sure that everybody's included
3: Right. We wouldn't All want staples. anybody to get too many white people in their AI results. Right. That's responsible. I
1: have worked at Google for over fourteen years. I've led about six different teams, mostly in the user research, the user experience area, and now in the In
2: other words, she's been a total pain in the ass now for fourteen years. Right. Ineffective. Not helping Google get better.
1: The cool user impact area. So I'll be sharing some of my learnings from across that time, but also some of my failures and challenges. I think it's okay to talk about things that you've made mistakes in because we will make mistakes. When we're trying to be good allies, when we're trying to be anti-racist, we will make mistakes. The point is, though, to keep trying, to keep educating yourself and getting better day to day. We
2: do Well, so, and she's right about that. When you're trying to be good allies and trying to be anti-racist, you will make mistakes because those are unrealistic concepts. Right.
3: Because nothing you do will ever be good enough because they know, uh, as they say, if it bleeds, you can kill it. So yes, if you've now shown weakness to show that you're trying to be an ally and that you're trying to atone for your mistakes, your mistakes will never stop happening because they will keep making you atone for random things that are. there's nothing wrong with doing.
2: Well, right, especially since you've um, you've covered yourself in the cloak of malevolence due to your skin color.
1: Right. Allyship involves the active steps to support and amplify the voice of members of marginalized groups.
2: Whoa, ally, amplify, marginalize. Here we go. We are off to the yes. races. In way- there is a sucky AI product well in the pipeline <laughs> by now.
1: Is that they cannot do alone. In the workplace, this can involve many things from being an active mem- mentor or sponsor to those from historically marginalized communities to managers of managers setting specific goals in hiring and growth for their teams to ensure fairness and equity of opportunity and outcomes for underrepresented populations. However...
2: Equity of opportunity of outcomes for underrepresented populations. That means we're going to hire people who suck at a lot of this. Who suck at Google stuff, at technical stuff? What don't they suck at? Uh, complaining. Right, they've got the uh, woke rule book memorized. Right, that they don't suck at.
1: Back to the point about language being very important. Using the title of ally can also come across as othering. So I can't win. <laughs> Using the title
2: of ally can come across as othering.
1: Also come across as othering. So I always state both the groups I'm a member of and support, as well as those that I'm a member of, uh, 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 more of a mentor and a sponsor of, to ensure that it doesn't look like that I'm othering others.
3: That's a lot to have to say.
2: So it doesn't look like she's othering who?
3: Others. (laughs) Othering others.
2: Well, didn't she just other them again? I guess so. She doesn't want to other other others. (laughs) By the way, I would suggest if you listen to the Matt Walsh podcast, his dissection of some of the stuff was just fantastic. But can you imagine how, okay, obviously her part of the company is now just simply static. Right. Her part doesn't work. It's over because she's put herself in a matrix where she's unable to move in any direction whatsoever. We talked about this last night. The rules are in place where she can only violate these open-ended um uh, these open-ended parameters because they're they intersect with each other. Right. So you can't this is like a What was that? The the girl, the sexy girl who was in, um, who was in Zorro, Catherine Zeta-Jones. Remember Mm -hmm. the movie she was in with Sean Connery, where she's like low crawling under lasers. It was around like the year two thousand. It was really sexy scenes, but she's now in a room with so many different lasers around that there's no way you cannot do anything but right. just prepare apologies, but these apologies also offend, so you gotta get more apologies that offend, folly right. you, say apologies
3: You have to say you're an ally, but also saying you're an ally can other people. That's a You infraction. have to say your pronouns, but also uh, asking for pronouns can like force out people who aren't ready to be outed. Like, it's, We're right, you can't, can't out people. Everything you do is wrong if yeah. you buy into this.
2: Well, right, Cause by, and by doing any of this stuff, by even setting a parameter, or even having any guidelines, she's gatekeeping. Right. This is, this is like Omaha Beach. This is a massacre. Nobody can get anything. That you can't do anything in this department.
1: Ensure the sponsor of to ensure that it doesn't look like that I'm othering others. So, for example, I would say I'm an ally of women, Black people, LGBTQ. I want to say I'm a champion advocate of all of these groups. Not that I'm outside or exclusionary of them.
3: That's a lot to have to say every time you introduce yourself.
2: Uh, Yeah, I would say. Especially once you acknowledge
3: the tribal lands that you're on and describe yourself for.
2: No apparently James O'Keefe in 2019 had discovered this lady already.
3: (laughs) One example, conservative watchdog group Project Veritas recently released this video showing Google's head of responsible innovation allegedly insinuating the company is manipulating algorithms to work against President Trump for 2020. President Trump also weighed in. Last week, he hosted a social media summit at the White House to talk about tech company censorship, calling for more transparency and accountability.
2: Yeah, you think so?
3: right i know
2: yeah so so and they had there's more stuff about this uh about they brought in e- ibram kendi they brought in the the 20 at the this point when 16, we're talking project, about
3: responsible ai i would like rather have skynet that's gonna take over and kill us all than the right. idiocy although uh, i do uh, have t- to say that the google gemini ai is more entertaining than almost any other ai project
2: google uh, the lips of tiktok find th- th- publishes that in Microsoft's official 2023 diversity and inclusion report, they openly admit that they are paying (coughs) white people less than other ethnic groups in the name of pay equity. So, now, the funny thing is about the AI is when you ask for English kings, it shows you all these black and brown people. Mm -hmm. What they're doing is they're fixing the problem because all the kings were the worst Things that you could be right. for Unfortunately, years. all the
3: English kings were white men.
2: Yes, they were white men. And so that's what people are doing. It's not just AI. It's happening all around us. Anytime, now you go to a place in a Microsoft thing and they thank the First Peoples, right. what they're doing is adding. They're putting, They're trying to say, yes, What this looks like a building in a nice town that's been civilized and made good and great, et cetera, et cetera. But no, what the, I want you to also see... The first peoples who were here, right. okay, that's what's happening with down the street here with the thing where the <clears throat> drunk Indian tried to break into the house and was shot dead. Uh huh. The drunk Indian, the 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 event that happened was a drunk Indian came in and was shot dead. But no, now it's been AI'd. What happened in this house? So what happened in that house, Alice?
3: Um, in the broader context of the Anglo-Abenaki Wars.
2: Yep. Exactly. Uh, all sorts of abductions and cetera atrocities happened, and colonists were were y- y- you know on uh, stolen land and this and that. So no longer, English Kings is no but, longer about English Kings. It's about yeah. There's these all. There's these. But Indian Hill picture.
3: Road has the better ring to it, honestly, than in the broader context of the Anglo-Abenaki Wars Road.
2: Well, right, but also, so you're changing now the thing that happened there. So the thing that happened when you return, the I want to see English Kings. The actual images that would come back, ugh, there's no representation. Everybody inside the building at Google is going to feel uncomfortable. They assume that all their friends in academia will feel uncomfortable. And it's the same thing with, you know, what used to be Plymouth Plantation. Plymouth Plantation. What's the real thing that happened there? Pilgrims got there, managed to hang on for a few winters, and then uh, more got there, and they made their way in through New England and thrived, and then used the Enlightenment values and hard work... And bravery, et cetera, right. to build a new world, a and that's what we leave all of in now. The thing that didn't happen was that Pentoxit rose and uh, built a new world. But now it's Plymouth, Plantation and Pentucket, Pentoxit, whatever that is, right. And
3: the thing that's so interesting about it, too, is it's actually like a lot of the images being produced by this AI where they're like the brave Latina queen of France are like breathtakingly racist actually of course the native american with the telescope like that's an astonishing thing to make
2: it is also and one of the reasons why is because they're suggesting that success and achievement meant the guy with the telescope And so if you're a dumb Indian walking around with beaver pelts...
3: They have to pretend that you had a telescope instead.
2: Right, because they look down on that. Right. So
3: what's fascinating about it is that the implication of them doing this is that the Native Americans, as they actually are, are not good enough. Right? That there is something wrong with just being a Native American. They have to
2: pretend that they're white people. Well, right. And isn't that what we're seeing? No, no, no. Give them good jobs in academia They pay a few hundred thousand dollars. Uh-huh. Make her the president of Harvard. That's what. Oh, it's one of our things. Give her one of our things. Our things are the best things. Yeah. You know, it, that's, that's, you know, make her a DA. Sure, she's corrupt and she's banging some guy and using taxpayer money. Right. No, give her one of our cool things. Mm-hmm. Now, we've taught her all the wrong things and she doesn't know the law or care, has no ethics, etc. But just give her one of our great things. So I'm reminded, and I don't think I ever told you this, Alice. I'm reminded of a time in when I worked at the Lowell Sun, where was the editor of the paper, the Lowell Sun,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and and we had. Oh, this goes so. Here's my point: the left believes in this, but most of the left just tolerates this. Right? They know it's horse bleep. Yeah, there are some true. It's it's a way to it's a way to assuage any guilt, but that's it when it comes to real pragmatic things, so when I was in Lowell, uh, MLB decided that they were going to Major League Baseball decided that they were going to change the rules, and thus essentially the Lowell Spinners baseball team mm-hmm. was going to be lost. Yeah, because of whatever rules, whatever. And the MLB and the and the in the Boston Globe, the Pizzuti's, etc cetera, we're looking at Worcester to do the Woo Sox thing anyway. Mm-hmm. And so, so um so the people the aggressors here were good progressives but the people of lowell were being affected right so we had this huge conference call it was me uh rep Lori trahan i think the guy who, who owned the spinners is a big rich guy whole bunch of movers and shakers elected officials in and around lowell and we're all on a conference call
3: trying to save the lowell Spinners. She's
2: trying to save the lowell spinners and so, like, we should tell them... They're always saying, they're saying the spinners are part of uh, the culture here and, you know, kids go to learn about it, et cetera, and, et cetera. And, and, and I said... And we were talking about, like, you write an op-ed, then you write an op-ed, and we'll write an editorial, and we'll try to get a theme going here. <clears throat> we were talking about talking points. And when it came to me, I, I, you know, I said, well, I mean, it's been shown... And this is all obviously disgraceful. In the wake... Of the George Floyd killings. We've seen now how marginalized communities suffer the worst when businesses close. They're already, it's already a huge sensitive time. Uh, Lowell's a gateway city. Hmm. Marginalized people in this city need some representation. They get that from the Lowell spinners. We'll be denying all of these people if they don't do it. If if we don't do that, and if we don't, you know, make sure they're seen, I was grossly using everything I knew. Just to get me out of the yeah. meeting, whatever. And it's funny because Laurie Trahan and everybody else went, "Oh yeah," he said, "Oh yeah, it's like it's good. I like that." But they weren't into it, and you know why they weren't into it? There was no bad guy to go after. They mm. liked John Henry in the in the Globe. He's one of theirs, right? They like all the elected leaders in in Massachusetts. They're all mm-hmm. Democrats. They wanted to save the spinners, but they didn't want to use the DEI hammer to blast anybody or threaten anybody. Right. So, like, I even gave it to them. Me, big evil Tom Shannock. And they didn't use it. Because a lot of them... Because they only want to point
3: that at the bad guys.
2: Right. Exactly. So, like, when the it was the, back then the superintendent of schools was a thug he went after one of our reporters who was a jewish woman right uh he was saying like uh it's funny you send the jewish woman to talk about a jewish issue and i thought that he was trying to intimidate her and i was like okay we're going after this mf the dei people could give a flying f i asked because he was a good progressive i even right. asked people of some status who were jewish around hey um care to take a swing
3: He's on their team, so no. He's
2: on their team. He gets to do whatever he wants. It's just amazing. It's just amazing. But This whole, whole thing has been, I mean, it, it's just ridiculous. Um, so another thing I wanted to talk about, I don't want really to talk about it, but with this stuff with this guy Smirnov, who's the whistleblower, he got arrested, he got arraigned the, uh, the, and then released from prison by a judge and now just rearrested by the FBI so they can shut him up. This guy has been an FBI informant for two decades. Yeah. One that they believed in and trusted in, and are now silencing him. There is something up. Something up. We don't have to get deep into it. Neither of us know enough about it. But enough of the right people are saying, I'm not buying this, and I've heard enough about it today to say, I don't trust these people. A guy whistle blows against the wrong guy, and suddenly he gets arrested. This right. FBI can't. They don't arrest Peter Stroke. They don't arrest the chick he was nailing. They don't. Nobody else. You took an IG, you know. Mm-hmm. An investigator, internal investigation, to get anybody indicted for changing court documents. But this guy, their own informant now, not only did they arrest him, they perp-walked him. So, by the way, he's an informant working both sides. He's working with Soviets, obviously, to get right, them so information. So now he's been outed. Yeah, so they outed him, which I'm told was really dangerous. So something is, is up with that. My third thing in the docket for me, Alice... Okay. I talked to Jimmy Failure here today, and we're going to have him on. Um, he's got a great show on the Fox Radio Network. It's his show, actually, really is good, and it kind of. I I, t- I asked him a little bit about this. We well, could you please play some of this? Okay. Um, he's also if you watch Fox, he's also um, he's on um, on Gutfeld a lot. He f- fills in for the five. Mm-hmm. He's kind of taking Gutfeld's route too. He's like he shows up for everything he's supposed to. He's also a stand-up comedian. He's from New York. Super nice guy. Super nice guy. And one of these guys that I could just talk to forever. We ran out of time today. I did suggest to him that he come on the Burn Barrel, just on over Twitter, and I think he'll be up for it at some point time. Very cool. Very cool. Very cool guy to talk to. Jimmy Faila, thanks so much for joining us. How you doing? Well, first and foremost, the book is great if you like reading at a third-grade level. <laughs> perfect. It's, it's, that, that's it's a fantastic. perfect fit for me. That's the book he just wrote. Well, I, say, I say the title a thousand times. It's essentially uh, The Cancel Culture uh, Dictionary, essentially.
0: Yeah, no, it matters. Like I am for real. Like I, as a as a community college graduate, I went to Nassau Community. I know nobody likes a show off, uh, but I am on the New York Times bestseller list, yeah. and I probably am the first community college guy to be there. Like, I, like I majored in Intro to Zelda. You know,
4: this
2: is crazy. <laughs> so Jimmy, by the way, did did you pay those college debts? Because now you're paying somebody else's.
0: Well, again, I went to community college, so I just had to give a guy named Spider a bag of weed to get in. But uh, I agree with you, like the absurdity of what they're doing there. Think of it this way. Uh, This is like, you know, when it comes to student debt forgiveness, obviously the taxpayers picking up the cost for the people who took out the loans. Imagine you got a bill in the mail from Applebee's for a meal somebody else ate that you didn't even know on the other side of the country. Like, would you be ponying up for those mozzarella sticks? I wouldn't. No,
2: it's so, like, on the face of it, wasn't, aren't Democrats the party of the little guy, the working stiff? Well, you're taking from the least privileged and giving to the most privileged. It's, a, yep. it's so cynical.
0: It is. But, I mean, they're just basically, what it tells you is their internal polling numbers with young voters are probably really bad right now. Mm-hmm. And this is, you know what I mean, this is the kind of desperate move that they think will hopefully win them back some support. Because if, if the public polls that we see are showing Trump with leads in swing states, as you know, they're always understating Trump's support. Yep. So if he's up by 10, they probably internally have him up by 25. You know, And uh, that's when you start to see giveaways. That's what this is. It's like Biden's trying to become that kid. Do you remember in high school, if somebody got a car, they became a lot more popular? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's Biden is basically trying mm. to become the senior with the car. Okay, there's no reason to hang out with this guy, but maybe if he has a car, you know, maybe if he can give you a ride, maybe if he can give you stuff, they can rehabilitate his image, and that's very much what's going on now.
2: Well, do you think? I mean, I mean that thing that he did two weeks ago, where he imploded on TV. To me, that's that's the end of the campaign. Like this guy, it's over. Just they haven't done the formalities yet to get him out of the building. Do you think this guy's even a yeah. nominee?
0: Uh, no, I think he's going to come off the campaign for Newsom uh, at the convention. That's what I actually—that's my prediction. The problem is the determination because Biden keeps telling everyone he knows that he's going to beat President Reagan, and you know, it's <laughs> <what gets> challenging.
2: <laughs> hey, I want to tell you something. I've been listening to your show on Fox Cross America um, mm-hmm. for a few days now. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. Your, your show, is, oh, your <laughs> radio show, is, is fantastic. It is so tight. It is a great show, and it moves quickly, which I love because I'm like—I have five kids, younger kids, so my life (laughs) is chaos. Um, Yeah. Can I ask you a technical question about your radio show? Yeah. Are you do you do the drops yourself?
0: Yes. Okay. Um, Okay. So I have a board like a uh, a cart, like a sound cart of like ten pages worth of drops, and I just hit them as I go.
2: Oh, it's fantastic! It's such a clean show. I'm I'm really am envious. So, but um, okay. The book once again it is Jimmy Fallon Cancel Culture Dictionary, an A to d guide to winning the war on fun. So you're a comedian who's come out here and said you're flipping the bird to these uh you know this tribute. He's recovering at the moment for why this maniac is asking him about his drops (laughs) and how he does them. Now we're getting back into the interview and he's getting whiplash. Of political correct activists who decide who gets canceled and who doesn't, especially when you write a book like this. Do you have any fear that somebody's going to find a way to take you out?
0: No, because what happened is we've turned a corner on the outrage era. And what I mean by that is they're losing their power because we now know who these people are. In the beginning of social media, when the cancel craze happened, most people were just getting out of its way because they didn't want a problem for themselves. You know, some people played along, but most people were just kind of apathetic. And what we now know through a few iterations of this thing, meaning cancel culture is about 10 years old now, is we realize the people behind it are usually the worst human beings. (laughs) (laughs) And that's what it is. Like what you realize is like we had cancel culture before there was social media. Like there Mm -hmm. were people who got mad at comedians. We just didn't call them cancel culture. We called them losers. Yeah. And that's who they are in the overall scheme of things. So I think we're beyond the cancel era now, you know, outside of like criminality. I think we're starting to get back to that place where we hopefully know the difference between a joke and a hate crime, and that's kind of what I'm going for in the book, is just giving people, like, perspective, like, comedic perspective.
2: Well, and that's what I notice, and especially when you're on, like, with Gutfeld, it's, mm-hmm. first of all, you give each other a hard time, it's, yeah. the humor is kind of, it, almost without limits, and it reminds me of, like, a time when late shows used to be funny. It's And it's so yeah. weird to think that, that that Were you pining for that now? Because Colbert is not doing a late show. He's doing therapy. Jimmy Kimmel yeah. cries on his show. This is un, unheard of. But you yeah. guys are just like, you're doing, you're being guys. It's so refreshing.
0: Well, you want to know what it is, man? Um, people like me and Greg don't get TV shows anymore. Like, we realize the fact that he and I are kind of unicorns in this space. So we're just, uh, for real. Like, you know the old phrase, drive it like you stole it? That's exactly what we're doing, because it's just such an anomaly to see people like us whose loyalty lies to the joke. Like, you know, Colbert, as you said, he's an activist masquerading as a comedian. That's what that is, okay? Kimmel got sucked into that lane, too, just because he did a lot of things early in his career that would get him canceled now. He wore a lot of blackface, he was on The Man Show. The only guy that's trying to toe the late night line is Jimmy Fallon, and they even beat him up. They beat him up just because he was nice to Trump, but what's so funny about this, and this is what shows you the fraud of the cancel out era, the outrage mob, is the accusation against Jimmy Fallon was like, they're like, he normalized Donald Trump by bringing him <laughs> on and having fun with him. I'm like, Donald Trump had a show on that network for 15 years. Like, he was already normalized. This idea that Trump running for president and and everyone on the left started to pretend we'd never heard of the guy before. And this was some fringe lunatic who just came along from a white supremacist rally and we were all going to (laughs) die. It was like performance art. Okay, you know and I know Trump has been a part of mainstream America for 40 years. So it was a manufactured hysteria. And that's the point I'm trying to make in the book, is a lot of the outrage comes with a political target, meaning they're trying to accomplish something by being offended. And that something is never on behalf of what they're canceling. Like, to give you an example, do you think whacking the Aunt Jemima logo helped the black community? (laughs) Of course not. But a black family that got royalties for 130 years now gets stiffed out of a paycheck (sighs) because some woke white people decided the pancakes were racist. It's the dumb Thing in the world, so that's the point I'm trying to make.
2: Yeah, and you know, it's by the way, Jimmy. What time do you got to be out of here? Because I know you're. Are you on at twelve? Oh, my stairs? show is
0: live at my show's live at noon, so I have to go crush some bass souls and snort them and get into the studio in a minute.
2: Okay, so we'll t- how about uh fifty-five? does that work Yeah, yeah, it's great. Whatever. Okay. I'm having too much fun, man. I'll be so- late
0: for my show. Well, okay. <laughs>
2: here's another thing: is that Donald Trump? Like we, like you said, we've known him for fifty years. I'm from Boston. To me, he's a very typical New York a hole. No offense, Jimmy Fallon. Yeah. No, I get it. He's, you know, he, you know, blustery. Yeah, we're in from the city. They used to tell me this when I worked in Boston, just so they knew that they're in from New York City, not a puny city like Boston. And they would be <laughs> blustery and loud. They take over the lobby, of the hotel I would work at. And they also tip yeah. big, which is also a Trump thing. So people know this guy. They know he's not a monster. When did they, and why did they have to make the psychological shift to make him into a monster into their minds? Because they, they
0: had to the distance themselves from the fact that they were all his friends. Hmm. It was like, politi- it was expedient to do so. Like, you think about this. The Clintons are going to run against Donald Trump, okay? You can't really make the case uh, if you were at his wedding, which they were. You know, Bill Clinton's been to Mar-a-Lago. He's hung out with Hillary. You know, like Trump was on The View all the time. He was on Howard Stern all the time. So if you're trying to beat someone politically, you have to create as much separation between them and you as possible. Hmm. But that's the performance art aspect of this whole thing is what you said. We always knew Trump as a crass, pugnacious yeah. a-hole. That's who he was. That was his character. And uh, he didn't change. The people reacting to him did. OK, it's not like there was the, the Bill Clinton uh, Trump was a different Trump. You know what yeah. I'm saying? The Howard Stern Trump was not a different Trump. The, his whole persona has been built around crass put downs of people in the public square. And that dates back to the 80s when he was insulting reporters on ABC with Barbara Walters.
2: Yeah, and it's it's just amazing. Um, it, but like, what do you, where do you have to be? How unhappy do you have to be in your life to like look at the Fannie Willis stuff and say, oh, this totally makes sense. This is on the up and up. You know, anything to destroy Trump, people are losing all credibility.
0: Oh, totally. And to be clear, Fannie Willis did everything by the book, uh, and that book was the Karma Sutra.
2: (laughs) Good night, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) He is Jimmy Fallon. Go order the book today. It's um, already a bestseller. The book is called Cancel Culture Dictionary. It's, a to Z, it's winning the war on fun. Check out the radio show, Fox Across America. It's fantastic. This is, a as a radio guy myself, his brilliant use of drops has me envious. Oh, and he's got a Saturday night show as well. Jimmy, we really appreciate it.
0: You're the man, Shattuck. We'll do it again soon. Take care.
2: Take care. Look forward to it. I happen to be the man, Alice. Yeah, the man. Wow. You see? Guy was great. So fun to talk to. Looked like, like a I'm, I'm all for it. I'm all I'm all for it. I'm glad he's doing well and I I hope that I hope that, that like it's funny because, you know, M T V changed formats too. Now they used to play videos in the eighties and then they became all reality T right. V shows, and then it became pregnant sixteen year olds. Right. You know, it, it could be that Fox's new profit center just becomes like people who are fearless. Right.
3: And I mean I I do think that Gutfeld is one of the only like young people's shows on Fox. Mm.
2: Yeah, and he's not. I mean, he's older than me, but you, you're right. But he's but it's there's a vibe. There's an into energy. into youth
3: culture at all?
2: Oh, totally. And
3: I hate when people use the phrase "youth culture" because I think it's dumb. But like, Fox is so boomerish.
2: Okay. Uh, what is the hot sauce?
3: That is the Chelsea Fire Wicked Hot Sauce. They bring us the Chelsea Fire Wicked Hotline.
5: Hi, babies. It's hey. Les calling you the Chelsea Fire Wicked Hotline. Ooh. I miss you. I'm so glad that I'm in a new gig that affords me the opportunity to bring Burn Barrel Podcast back into my listening nice. rotation. Nice. I want to thank Alice oh. for representing the voluptuous ladies and the challenges we mm. have with our attire. Alice, you are absolutely spot on, and the struggle is real. That's true, and for me. Well, first of all, I can't believe y'all didn't call me, but if the subject comes up again, <laughs> please feel free to give me a call if you want some more support. Some no more expertise intended. on this topic. Um, for you. me, where I discern is, if, first, I'm not going to wear baggy clothes no matter what, because you especially look enormous if you're a person of, let's just say, my physical stature, and you know what I'm talking about. Um, but for me, the delineation between something trying to look sexy and not looking sexy is the amount of the cleveland that you expose if you're wearing a form-fitting top or top of your outfit and it has you know a high and modest neckline then you're not trying to be sexy and anybody who's judging you can just shut up
2: woman of the year Woman of the Year. That's right. I seem to remember when we had Michael Graham's, like send off at Ken Steakhouse. Leslie was a champion of cleavage that night. I believe I'm right, Leslie. If you can tell me if I'm wrong. Someone
3: there was a champion of cleavage, apparently. So Leslie, yes. let us know if it was. I you. think it
2: was Leslie.
5: And mind their own business. If you wa- cleavage is
2: very good, it's very good. It's like little effort for women if you've if you're so equipped. With big payoff. You are getting a fellow's attention. There were pool halls and bars in Boston that were based around cleavage. And they knew they'd move drinks because a pretty cleavage would walk over and ask- A pretty cleavage would walk over? Yes, a pretty cleavage Uh would walk right over Mm -hmm. and ask if you want another drink. (laughs) And yes, that it's- You did want another drink. I did.
5: Intend to look sexy, then you, you know, you wear a neckline that exposes the Cleveland. And I go. find that to be very cut and dry. Yes. And if anybody wants to be judgmental about it, then they have not walked a day in our boobs. And until you walk a day in our boobs, ladies and gentlemen, then you have no position to judge us. So Alice, thank you again very much for representing. Love you all very much. Kiss all the babies for me.
2: Bye bye. Thank you so much. Liz. Can thank I you. ask you a tawdry question? Yes. Are you sure? No, but go ahead. I only ask this because...
3: Maybe don't our, ask the question. Our no.
2: listeners, are, well, our male listeners would want to know. Have you... No. What do you mean, no? What? Okay, what's the question? Have you... <coughs> I think
3: we should move on from this. Are way. you
2: sure? Yes. Just, Are you sure? Yes. Okay. Are you sure? Yes. Okay. Just
3: play the next message.
2: <sighs> I think I should ask you. Just go play the next message. No, will you? Okay. 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 Damn it, I feel like I'm selling out, though, for the guys.
0: Just go to the next message.
2: Okay. Justin says in the chat, have you ever felt another woman's breast? No. <laughs> Oh my goodness, the hesitation. No. Justin, there you go. I am I have no part of this, oh. by the way. I condemn that you asked that, Justin. I condemn that. Uh Angela White.
4: Hey Tom there and he the is Mayor. Himself. Um there's to show up. Uh I don't know if you know, uh, but uh Angela White is Vava Voom. Angela uh, White. Vava voom. All right. My goodness, curves, hourglass.
2: You need to clean it up, Justin. This and, is um, asking my
4: wife questions like that. I don't know That's if it's not your you, uh, familiar with City Mall. You're but right. I seen a video on uh, this channel called Flea Bitten Adventures, and this guy and his mom they cover um, malls that are dead. I love that. And uh, I think it's around uh, around your area, really, where you guys live. Um, but they were at Which the- City Mall, and there was a homeless guy sleeping on the stairs. Yeah, is Which City and The floor Salem? was dirty, and
2: Which City Mall? Uh, I don't know that there's a- is there a Salem Mall.
4: The public restrooms were nasty and stuff, but that happens a lot at these dying malls.
2: Yeah, I, we do find that stuff interesting. We did watch, Allison and I did watch a documentary.
3: Yeah, it's uh, in Salem, Massachusetts. Oh, wow.
2: Oh, We'll check it out. We love that kind of stuff. We watched the documentary a couple of years ago. Um About malls like that, um, that we do like. So I'm into that kind of stuff. I'm into old dilapidated buildings. Like I said, the sanitariums that are around, et cetera. I'm all into that. So thanks for that tip, Justin. Oh, that would have been good for Sup With You.
5: Hi, babies. Les again. I apologize. I think I mixed up the metaphor in my prior message. I think I said unless you've walked a day in our boobs, and that's obviously not what that expression is. I meant to say, unless you've walked a mile in our boobs, then you don't understand. Um, It's a mile in our boobs. And that's so, true sorry about that and yes actually i'm just now here saying boobs gratuitously because we know what sells to the
2: burn bros love you Look, bye-bye i think that's probably true that's probably do you want to do a sup with you or are you out i think my voice is out oh alice's part, voice yeah. is out sorry but i'm gonna tell you and what's up here's all my all what's die. up with you yeah my i am now alice has done the following things to me she threw a phone at my head and made me bleed out of a blind white rage. That was a that year was like and a half two ago. Two years ago. That was a year and a half ago. And she, of course, got off on it because I, no. sh- I was bleeding. And she, at one point, licked blood from my. No. head. that, that happened. <laughs> Not true. Two. She ate all the sushi last week like a dickhead, <laughs> which the mix was freaking just like so. I was starving. Cool. You saw that I got an extra thing of like a wasabi so I could have some sushi um Next and now three, three now alice you, you don't hurt your voice just let me do it my... <laughs> okay. and now alice has this is what's up with me now she has the audacity while at 2 a.m while i listen to podcasts out loud she now turns hers up <laughs> so there's a cacophony of sound you can't have that if you can play stuff no, I can play we're, tra- stuff. no we're trying to have a civilization i'm the guy who plays sound at night That is so disrespectful. Oh, my goodness. My goodness. We're going to have to do something bonus for these guys, (laughs) Alice. It's been a tough week.
3: Can you do the
2: outro? Sorry, Alice is coughing blood into the microphone right now. Guys, thank you so much for everything. I know it's been an unorthodox week, but you guys have been great as usual. And uh, please, if you have – get friends and ask them to listen to the show. Give it a shot anyway. It's politics, life, and, you know, whatever. I think we've got – I think we've got kind of a deep connection with the audience, all of us together here, because we're all going through the same crazy stuff together. We'll see you tomorrow. Oh, C'est Sunday.
1: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style
5: with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more